Welcome to Fast Company Digest, essential stories from tech, design, impact, and work life narrated by Noah App. I'm Fast Company Deputy Editor and host of the New Way We Work podcast, Kathleen Davis. Here are this week's stories. First, it's home to dance challenges, weird food creations, makeup tutorials, and for Gen Z, it's increasingly where they watch movies and TV shows. Streaming companies like Peacock are learning that TikTok might just be the future of television. For Noah, this is Adrian Walker reading from Fast Company. We're on the 8th of September, 2023. Salea Blancaflor writes, Is TikTok the future of television? TikTok has been home to dance challenges, weird food creations, makeup transformations, financial advice, and increasingly, movies and television shows. The site has been inundated with clips from pirated shows and films. If you search the phrase full movies on TikTok, it brings up content with more than 100 million total views, while full episode also brings up videos with millions of views. Although it might seem wild to watch a show or movie in three-minute increments, viral pirated videos and clips have helped build a Gen Z audience for new shows like Amazon Freebie's Jury Duty. Frequently, these sorts of videos get removed for copyright strikes, but now some streaming companies are recognizing the benefit of airing shows on TikTok. In August, Peacock made the full pilot episode of its half-hour comedy series Killing It available on TikTok ahead of the second season premiere, uploading it in five parts. According to a Peacock spokesperson, over 7 million users viewed the videos on the app, introducing the Craig Robinson-led show to a whole new audience who likely wouldn't have discovered it otherwise. The effort marks the first time a streaming service brought a full episode of one of its scripted series to TikTok, and it could be the future of TV as young generations continue to scope out entertainment in virtual spaces they live in. The move could also prove to be beneficial for Peacock, as it attempts to drive new subscribers to its platform. The NBC Universal-owned streaming service reported in its latest quarterly earnings that it added just 2 million subscribers, bringing its total number of U.S. subscribers to 24 million. With a growing number of streaming services competing for Americans' stretched budgets, Brands like Peacock seemingly have nothing to lose when trying to reach Gen Z in the digital age. In recent years, TV has become a second screen for Gen Z viewers, as more of the generation turned to streaming and online platforms for entertainment. Cable TV continues to be on the decline as cord cutting continues to rise, according to streaming insights from Mountain Research. The study found that cord cutters, or cord nevers, those who never had a cable subscription to begin with, skewed younger and showed no interest in cable TV subscriptions after they moved out of their parents' households. The research also found that the number of cord cutters and cord nevers are expected to reach 138.1 million by 2024. Streaming services have certainly played a part in subscribers discovering older cable TV shows. The legal drama Suits, which originally aired on USA Network from 2011 to 2019, saw a resurgence on Netflix. It's also available to screen on Peacock. When it began streaming on the platform, shooting it to the top of Nielsen's streaming charts. Some of the CW's shows, like All American and Riverdale, which are popular with Gen Z viewers, also saw a similar surge after the network licensed the shows to Netflix. 
experts have referred to the phenomenon as the Netflix effect in recent years. While Netflix used to seek full ownership of series and films, the company is starting to show more flexibility when it comes to licensing, and so are other competitors like Warner Brothers, Discovery, Amazon, and Apple, industry sources told Insider in a recent report. Insiders and observers have partially blamed the former business model on what led to the double strikes in Hollywood. But in an ever-changing digital landscape, cable networks and streaming services are increasingly relying on social media and online platforms to stay engaged with Gen Z. Traditional live TV programming is experiencing a slow death in the Internet age as fans choose to watch clips of Saturday Night Live and late-night talk shows online rather than on a live broadcast. The Wrap reported in 2023 that the variety sketch show still has solid ratings, ranking number four among the top 50 live broadcasts among 18- to 49-year-olds, but it's not drawing nearly as many viewers as it did in the 1990s. According to the TikTok Marketing Science Global Entertainment Study from December 2021, nearly a quarter, 23%, of TikTok users are more likely to discover entertainment content on social and video platforms versus other platforms. YouTube continues to be a popular platform for entertainment consumption as well, and social video intelligence firm Tubular Labs previously found that SNL online videos have been a successful way to reach broader audiences. The research found that SNL videos on YouTube racked up 2.1 billion views last season from 374 uploads. That could explain why, along with bringing a full episode to TikTok, Peacock also made the first three episodes of Killing It available on YouTube. The streaming service previously made episodes of its other comedy series, Buckkiss, starring Pete Davidson, available on YouTube as well. Social media has become such a popular way for Gen Z to find and watch entertainment that it's led to some unorthodox ways of doing so. Earlier in 2023, the Super Mario Brothers movie was uploaded in two parts to the Vids That Go Hard account on Twitter. The video was eventually taken down, but not before 9 million people reportedly watched it. While entertainment companies aren't big fans of digital piracy, the trend suggests consumers have a strong desire to watch TV shows or movies on social media. While Peacock is the first streaming service to upload full episodes of a scripted series on TikTok, it isn't the first time a streaming platform jumped at the opportunity to bring full episodes to social media. In 2021, Warner Media put episodes of popular HBO shows like Game of Thrones, Euphoria, and The Flight Attendant on Snapchat so users could watch episodes with their friends in hopes of boosting signups to HBO Max. Warner Brothers has also experimented with screening full-length movies, on popular social and gaming platform, Fortnite. TikTok was already a popular platform that studios used to promote new releases to Gen Z. But as more cable networks license their programming and streaming services begin bringing full episodes to social media, the line of how media and entertainment is consumed will only continue to get blurrier. You are listening to Fast Company, where Salea Blancaflor writes... Is TikTok the future of television? This article was published on the 8th of September, 2023, and was read by Adrian Walker for NOAA. 
And next, one of China's top tech entrepreneurs warns that China's innovation dominance may be nearing its end due to the country's shrinking and aging population. You're listening to Fast Company, where on the 9th of September 2023, Ted C. Fishman, a former trader and member of the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, writes, How China's shrinking population is making it less competitive. China today is a tech giant, in large part because it is a giant. The country is home to the world's largest population of capable young tech workers, all potential innovators. But China's shrinking and aging population is on course to have by the year 2100, while its median age is projected to climb by 18 years, from 39 to 57. Nearly every industrialized country is aging and shrinking, but China's demographic decay is occurring faster. Reporting from the front lines, one of China's top tech entrepreneurs warns that China's innovation dominance may be nearing its end. James Liang, a Stanford PhD in economics and founder, chairman, and former CEO of Trip.com, one of the world's largest online travel services with 400 million users, was an early canary in the demographic mine. Liang has written four books, three data-driven polemics, and one cautionary novel, arguing that preserving China's innovative chops hinges on larger families, which have for decades been limited by official government policy. He's appeared on China's national talk shows and even performed a self-effacing comedy routine on a TV variety show to make his case. Over the last 40 years, as Chinese companies moved up the value chain, prosperity paid for ever more Chinese infrastructure, education, and R&D, at a scale smaller countries could never match. Today, the country mints about 4.7 million university STEM grads a year, 10 times those in the U.S. Add to that the roughly 500,000 Chinese students who each year before COVID-19 finished studies abroad. That's lots of brains getting even brainier, and a formula that fueled China's innovation ecosystem. Chinese innovation is even indispensable to American tech leaders. In his March visit to China, Apple CEO Tim Cook extolled the company's symbiotic relationship with China's tech infrastructure. Chinese high-tech components are now about a quarter of those in an iPhone. At home, Cook bluntly tells U.S. leaders that Apple cannot match the quality of its 5 million-person strong supply chain anywhere else. Apple's commitment to China is growing less reciprocal. In early September, the Chinese government banned iPhones from government work. China, of course, has a slew of own homegrown tech titans, too. Tencent, TikTok, parent Didi, Huawei and around 300 other unicorns have grown out of what the Global Economic Forum calls one of the global hubs of future-looking innovation. China today is a tech leader, or near leader, in several key emerging technologies including high-speed trains, power transmission, renewable energy, next-gen broadband, satellites, rocketry, and moon landings. China's official economic roadmaps aim at leading the world in biotech for drugs and agriculture and in artificial intelligence. An Australian strategy think tank found that China also leads the rest of the world in 19 out of 23 key military technologies, including a commanding lead in hypersonics, electronic warfare, 
and in key undersea capabilities. For those who compete against China's innovation machine, its creative oomph is scary. Washington worries. In early August, the Biden administration banned American companies from investing in Chinese high technology. Fear over China's capacity for tech innovation stokes trade wars and now calls into question 40 years of American economic engagement with the country. Over the last decade, James Liang and I have been trading views on aging societies, matching the points in our books on the subject. In August, Liang sent me his latest volume, Population Strategy, How Population Affects Economy and Innovation, which, so far, has been published only in China. He sent me a translation. The book's central argument is brave and a doozy. His warnings are more dire than ever. My research shows that the more critical impact of population on the economy is its impact on innovation, he writes. The shrinking and aging population is the biggest hidden danger to China's future economic development. Without some big changes, he fears, China is on a path to be overwhelmed politically and economically just beyond mid-century. In comparison, he says, a more vital U.S. and India will thrive and prevail. Among high-income countries in the modern global economy, Liang argues, innovative industries are increasingly large, essential contributors to GDP. One factor above all, he argues, gives an economy the power to dominate today's innovation competition and, in turn, gain wealth and power. It is the quality, quantity, and speed at which ideas flow and are commercialized from every corner. Countries with bigger populations have more participants to feed the kind of robust cross-fertilization of ideas. Liang compares human society to the brain. The more healthy neurons, people, that fire and make connections, communications, the more developed the brain, society, will be. Is China's innovation brain destined for atrophy? If the innovation and population size equation holds, yes. Nevertheless, I have some doubts. In June, a podcast run by Chinese state media ran a conversation with me. It seemed that all of China's current economic woes, high unemployment among young adults, the bursting real estate bubble, its untenable debt, were getting linked to the aging population. My host gravely asked if the country's concerns were warranted. What matters for the economy, I said, isn't just size, but how a country nurtures its creative genius. Many of the world's smallest countries earn high marks for their innovative energy. Tiny Switzerland tops the annual Global Innovation Index. China comes in at number 11. Most of the top 10 countries are comparatively tiny, old, and have low fertility rates. An outlier is the U.S. in second place where older workers are a productive, creative force. The average age of Americans who start tech companies is 39. The average age of founders of new businesses in general is over 55. In China, workers usually retire by age 60, often earlier. Yet, the country's over-60 cohort may be the healthiest in the world. In China's more affluent urban regions, life expectancy is over 83, matching long-living Italians and Spaniards. They can work and be creative longer. When the podcast posted, Liang wrote me. He was complimentary, but didn't wholly agree. He sees huge networks of young people as the essential condition to keep China at the top of the world innovation race. He proposes other interventions aimed at changing China's population trend, not just its workplace.
The most important step is to pump up financial assistance to young families and social and monetary safety nets for older people. China's young adults, usually singleton children, often bear the financial and time burden of taking care of their parents and grandparents. Combined with raising children, these responsibilities are expensive and daunting. The Chinese government spends a small portion of the country's wealth, less than 2% of GDP, on social services to help families. Liang urges that go as high as 5%. Priming the country for more babies, he believes, requires social innovation too. Chinese families have a famous preference for boy babies. Boys carry on a family's name. Liang proposes that the country allow mothers to pass on their family's surnames onto their daughters, which would create an added incentive for mothers to raise girls and parents to choose to have larger families and resist illegal sex-selecting abortions. No proposals are likely to have much effect before the Chinese people are confident that the current deep economic downdraft is passed. That could take a few years, or a generation. In the meantime, Chinese innovators will no doubt continue to contribute to the world's basket of shiny new things, whether or not China dominates markets or the world. Perhaps it's worth noting, however, that gloom over China's aging overlooks China's biggest win. In 1950, the Chinese people had an average life expectancy around 38, less than half of what it is today. Now they have the immeasurable treasure of far longer, healthier lives, something even emperors of yore valued above riches. You were listening to Fast Company, where Ted C. Fishman writes, How China's Shrinking Population is Making It Less Competitive. This article was published on the 9th of September, 2023, and was read by Sam Scholl for NOAA.